Good to see your smiling faces here this morning. I invite you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you were here on Mother's Day, we picked on the fathers. And on Father's Day, we're going to pick on the mothers. Actually, the wives. The wives. Women in general. And, and here's the thing. Um, just so you know, you have a couple of strikes against you, ladies. <laughs> Says God. That's who. In the beginning, when God created man, he looked at him. And he said, I can do better than that. <laughs> and he created a woman. But then sin came into that relationship. And because of sin, the woman's desire is for her husband. You say, well, isn't that a good thing? Well, it's not. Because the word desire there is talking about control. Every lady wants to control a man. Think about that for a moment. And especially her husband. And the husband doesn't like that, so what does he do? You're not controlling me. I'll show you who's the boss of this house, and I'll show you this. And there's conflict in the marriage because of the curse. Here's what's amazing. You say, how does a woman want to control a man? Well, there's a couple of things that she uses. Be careful, men, when you amen this. Especially if your wife is right next to you. One of the ways that a woman can try to control a man is through nagging. Nag, 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 nag. Just haunting and nagging and saying the same thing. Oh, what is nagging, by the way? Saying the same thing over and over and over again. Are you listening to me? I want to go here. Are you listening? I want to go here. I want to go here. I want to go here. I want to go. All right, we're going there. The nagging is so bad that the husband can't take it. You say, where is that in the Bible? Let's turn there real quick. I want to show you Proverbs 27, verse 15. This is not a Mother's Day verse, by the way. But it is a good verse to use. Look at this one. Proverbs 27, 15. And it kind of hits home this week because the constant rain that we've gotten. Look at this verse. Proverbs 27, verse 15 says this, a constant dripping on the day of steady rain. Some of you, praise God, you have good roofs. If you ever lived in Argentina, they leak. We would hate it when it rained because when it started to rain, that means there'd be dripping in the, in the kitchen and dripping in the bedrooms and dripping in different places. We put towels up everywhere when it would rain. He's saying here like this steady rain that causes a constant dripping. Watch this, verse 15. It says, a contentious woman are alike. Or we could put it, the nagging woman. The one who just criticizes and complains about everything. And nag, nag, nags. Reminds me of the farmer who couldn't put up with his nagging wife. So he started to tend to animals. And he's out there tending to his animals and his wife comes and brings him a sandwich for lunch. 
He says, wow, honey, what a surprise. What a wonderful surprise. And they're eating the sandwich together and they're, they're talking and she begins her nagging. Nag, 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 nag. You need to do this in the house. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do this. Well, the donkey hears her nagging and kicks her. The lady dies. So at the funeral, the pastor is watching as all the women pass the man whose wife died and he's going like this. And all the men that pass, he's going like this. So he says, the pastor goes, I'm, I'm baffled. All the women that passed you, you went like this. What was that for? He goes, well, all the women were asking me, are you okay? Do you need anything? And I said, no, we're okay. Everything's okay. He said, but when the men came, they were all asking, can I borrow your donkey? And I was saying yes. <laughs> Had a bad one? Nag, nag, nag. A constant dripping on the day of steady rain. Next time you hear that, beep, beep, beep. think of the nagging that goes on. They control with their words. Other women, since they're not good naggers, try to control with their looks. Watch this in Proverbs 10 for a moment. Uh, 7, I'm sorry. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 10. This is an interesting verse. It says here that behold, a woman, speaking of an adulterous woman, comes to meet him, Proverbs 7.10. Now watch this. Dressed as a harlot. Now how do you dress like a harlot? Well, you study different things out there and it's interesting, the different views. Some of them would wear veils. Some of them would have different clothing. The idea is this. They were dressed to impress. Dressed to tempt, dressed to lure, dressed to grab the person from their position and take them out of their position. They're using their outward looks to control people. Now watch this about this woman. She's cunning of heart. There's heart issues here. She is boisterous, verse 11. That means she's loud. She's rebellious. And she could care less what her husband says or what the society says. Look at this in verse 11. Her feet do not remain at home. There is no one telling this woman what to do. She is going to control everyone. They do it with their words. They do it with their looks. Welcome to society. Now, don't you love First Peter? He's going to tell you, don't go down that path. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at some ways that you can make an influence and an impact as a godly woman. This is important if you have daughters, this is what you want your daughters to be. This is important if you have a wife, this is what you want your wife to be. This is important if you are a wife, this is what God wants you to be. This, this applies to all. If you're a young man here who's looking for a wife, this is the kind of wife you look for. In, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he's going to mention this. And believe it or not, he's going to use an astonishing example. He's going to use a woman who is married to an unsaved man. I've seen it too much. Where a woman who wants to live for God, but yet her husband wants nothing to do with God. That is a hard example. By the way, let me just tell you this. Back then, you could not have another God other than your husband's God. 
In fact, it was said that if a wife was not allowed to have friends other than her husband's friends and gods other than her husband's gods. But this woman gets saved and her husband is not saved. So what does Peter say that he ought to do? Watch this in verse 1. The first thing he's going to say is we need to practice biblical submission. Watch this. In the same way, you wives be submissive. In what way? Well, in chapter 2, he talks about how we ought to submit to governments. And we love that, don't we? Remember the mask mandate? We all love that one. Amen? Not one amen. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. And so he says in, in, in chapter 2, we ought to submit to the government. He says in, in, in chapter 2, verse 18, that we ought to submit to our masters, even the ones that are morally twisted, who don't love God. In the same way, we ought to submit to your own husbands. Now, let me just say this. Submission is not a bad word, although our society has changed what the word means. Do you know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, there is submission in the very Trinity? Do you know that God the Son submits to God the Father? Do you know that God the Spirit submits to God the Son and God the Father? And so this submission is not a bad word. In fact, what does it mean? Well, let's look at what the passage says here. The word literally is a military word that means to put yourself in your rank. To not go outside of your rank. To, to be in the right place there, under somebody who has authority. God, for some reason, when he created the man, he created the man to lead, to protect, to provide. When he created the woman, he created the woman. Are you ready for this? He, 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 he's made all creations amazing. And he says, it is good, it is good, it is good. The first time he says, it is not good is when? It is not good for... Man to be what? Alone. So he creates a what? A woman. And it says he creates a helper. She is created to be a what? A helper. She corresponds to him. Genesis 2.18. She helps him. She supports him. She strengthens him. He realizes that man needs help. Amen. And he creates a what? A woman, not a dog, not his best friend. A woman to strengthen and to help him. So submission has to do with strengthening and helping and using what God has given to you to strengthen and encourage the leadership of a man. Let me, let me, let me give you an example of this. When we first got here to Colorado, we got a bike for our kids. And the box came. And if you know me, I can't put anything together. I am horrible at that stuff. And this big box comes and I'm looking at it. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And Katie's sitting there just watching me. And, and I, I, I grab the box and I'm like, wait a minute, I'll just open it up. I'll put, I can't, I'm trying to put the, I can't put it together. What does Katie do? She gets up. She comes next to me. She goes, you idiot. You don't know how to put anything together. <laughs> no, she didn't do that. She came right next to me and she helped me. She put the bike together. She put the bike together. She strengthened and encouraged my leadership. She didn't make me feel inferior as a man or not knowing what I'm doing. She used her God-given abilities to strengthen my leadership. That's submission. 
Submission is using what God has given to you to strengthen the very leadership of the other person. Now look what he's saying here. There's something at stake here. He says, be submissive to who? Your own husbands. This isn't to all men. You can't just go up to some woman and say, you're a woman, I'm a man, follow me. No, no. Your own husbands. It's selective. He doesn't put anything on the spirituality of the husband because this husband is disobedient. Look at this in verse 1. He is disobedient to the word. The word disobedient there means he's unpersuaded. He will not submit to the word. He will not follow the word. These are people who you give them the gospel and they reject the gospel. They can care less about the gospel. They want nothing to do with the gospel. I've seen this more and more. Ladies come to church. They want to serve God. They want to live for God. The husband you go visit, you have a coffee with. They want nothing to do with God. What do you do in that case? Be submissive. Be submissive. Why? So that they may be one. Don't miss this. This speaks of their coming to Jesus Christ as their Savior. They, their souls are at stake. They may be one. How are they one? Notice how they're one. Without a word. Or we may put in our Bibles, without nagging. What's the temptation? They come to Jesus. They want everyone to come to Jesus. So what do they do? You got to come to church. You got to come to church. You got to come to church. You got to read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Did you read the Bible today? Did you read the Bible today? You got to come to church. Are you going to get saved for crying out loud? How often did you hear the pastor? Did you hear him? Nag, 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 nag. Guess what the husband says? You come at me with that? I want nothing to do with God. So how do you win him? Without a word. Now be careful. There's another extreme here. I'm just never going to mention the Bible. I'm just going to put a track under his pillow. Amen? I'll leave a verse here and there. So I win without a word. I'll just be silent. No, no one gets saved with being silent. It's saying this. Don't use nagging. Don't come at him with all these words here. Some people use silence as a form of manipulation. The silent wife... Sometimes it's a very scary wife because you don't know what she's thinking and she's just ready to explode. Watch out with that too. He's not saying that you don't use words. He's saying you don't use nagging. But here's what you use. Look what it says in verse 1. They're won by the behavior of their wives. They're won by the conduct of their wives. They're watching to see if the gospel is at work in the lives of the women. In other words, what Peter is saying is, let the gospel be at work in your life. He says, look at verse 2. They're observing what? They're observing that you're chaste. I love this. There's a purity. There's an irreproachability here. There's, they're looking at these people. They're saying, you know what? They, they really are living for God. There's a conduct that they're living for God. And there's a fear here. There's a respect. A respect for God, which frees a woman, by the way. Because when there's a fear for God, she's not worried about whether or not her husband approves or disapproves. She's living for God. He says here, let them watch that you're living for God. Let them watch that the gospel is at work in your life. And while they're doing that, you win them to Jesus Christ. I remember hearing a testimony of a drunk that just kept coming home drunk and drunk and drunk. And his wife would tell him, I love you. I love you. 
And she would turn on her bed and wake up and say, I love you. And it was that love that brought him to Jesus Christ. You win him. Now, here's the danger. Here's where this gets fun. Watch this in verse 3. This is where it gets fun. The danger is, you know what? If I can't win him without a word, I'm going to win him with my body. Now, watch this. Verse 3. Your adornment, are you ready for this? It's the Greek word cosmos, where we get our English word cosmetics. Now, watch this. This gets beautiful. You ever wonder how much an average woman spends on cosmetics? Are you ready for this? An average woman spends on cosmetics $300 a month. Some of you guys say, no, I don't do, I don't do that. I don't, I, $3,000 a year in her lifetime. Thank you, Mary Kay. In her lifetime. You know how much the average woman wears? A quarter of a million dollars. All right, now, let me just tell you something. This is not saying don't wear makeup. Please, ladies, wear makeup. Some of you wear a lot of makeup, but you need it. Wear makeup. I couldn't wait to get that one out. Wear makeup. Nothing wrong with makeup. Wipe your husband's bank account out. It doesn't bother me at all. Wear all the makeup you want. He's not saying don't wear cosmetics. What he's saying is this. Don't let that be the focus. And he's going to pick on three different things. He says, don't let your cosmetics just be external. The what? The braiding of the hair. Now, if I was God, I would do things different. When I would create women, I would create women to make them go bald rather than men. <laughs> it's not fair. You always have hair. We have two options. It goes white or out of sight. We, that's all we got. You guys have beautiful hair. You hold on. But be careful with the hair. Some go out of it. Look at this word here. Braiding the hair is only used here in the New Testament. It speaks of going to these hairdressers and beautifying the hair so much. These elaborate hairdos. The wearing of gold jewelry. This is speak of wearing the gold in the hair, around the neck, in the ears, around the face, on the fingers, on the, on the uh, what are these called, these things here? The wrists. Yeah, I can't even think of it in English. And the wrists. They got jewelry everywhere. You hear them when they come in. Ah, there's my wife. Jewelry, all the piercings now that people have it all over the place. That's got to hurt in the cheek. I don't know how they do that. But in the nose. Nothing wrong with piercings in the nose, but how do you pick it? I mean, I'm a little. There's things I don't understand. Externals. The putting on dresses. Thank you, Coles. These elaborate dresses. These costly dresses. Thousands of dollars on dresses. For what? To hold on to a man, to lure a man, to attract a man. He says, don't, don't, don't spend undue time on that. Undue money on that. Now, don't go to the other extreme where you don't wear any jewelry, any. Your hair's all messed up. You got no makeup on. You come in. Here's how I am, honey. Take it or leave it. No. Fix yourself up, please. 
But the undue time that people spend on this stuff and the undue money that they spend on this, just to attract, he says, don't do that. Here's what you ought to focus on. Look at verse 4. He changes the word cosmos, cosmetics, to the word cardia or heart. He says, let it be the hidden person of the what? Of the heart. Focus on the heart. That God would change the heart and the heart attitudes. Why? Look at this in the verse here. Because it's imperishable. It doesn't fade away. I, I hate to say this. Beauty fades. Look at some people. They have pictures of them when they're in their 20s. Beautiful people. And then right next to them, they have pictures of them when they're in their 80s. They've changed. They're different. Now, some people in their 80s, they're very beautiful. And, and they, 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 they maintain the beauty. But that's rare. The beauty fades. Now, what amen? Sorry, it happens. Our outward body is decaying. It's going to pot. But the inward body, sorry we're in Colorado here, but the inward body is being renewed. Focus on what doesn't fade. Here's what he's saying. What happens if you attract a man by the externals when it fades? What's he going to do then? Ask Tom Cruise what he's going to do then. He gets a new wife. Ask Leonardo, what's his name? Capra, whatever his name is. The Italian guy. What does he do? 25, you're gone. Tom Cruise, 33, you're gone. When it fades, you're gone. You're gone. They're always looking for another, someone more beautiful. Here's the problem. The pressure that society puts on women to, to, to maintain their outward beauty, the diets, the anorexia, the, all the stuff that the women go through just to maintain their bodies, and they always find somebody that's more beautiful, and they feel insecure, they feel unloved, because it's all about externals. He says, don't go there. Focus on the heart. Focus on the inner person of the heart. Let me ask you this. How much time did you spend getting ready, your outer person ready this morning? I remember we were in Cincinnati. <laughs> this lady, we were with the husband every five minutes. Floor! We need to leave. I'm coming, honey. Five minutes later. Floor! We're going to be late. Don't worry, honey. I don't know how long. We, we were late. We were way late for this meeting. And he kept yelling at his wife. She's sitting there, mm, 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 brushing her face. Mm, mm. How many, how much time? Now let me ask you this. How much time did you spend getting your inner person ready this morning? Well, I don't have time for my devotions. Get my hair ready. Devotions are what matter. Yes. Your heart attitude is what matters. Focus on the inner heart. Watch this. It's imperishable. What, what things in the inner heart need to change? Watch it. The quality, verse 4, the quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. I love this. A gentle spirit is somebody who is under control. Those words are under control. They're considerate. They're not pushy. They're not nads. And they're quiet. You know what the Greek word means? Shut your mouth. No, it doesn't. I'm getting around. The quiet. What does quiet mean? This is a beautiful word, by the way. The word quiet means to, to be at peace, to be a calming, peaceful presence in the life of somebody. In other words, there's some women that love to stir the pot. 
And when there's noise in the world, they make it noisier. And he's saying this, be that quiet, calming presence in the life of a man. Because boy, does he need it. I, I, this week, we, when we picked up the youth, the, the tires started to get a little bit low. We didn't know what was going on. We picked up a nail on the way. And so we said, hey, the car's under warranty. Firestone. Let me just tell you about Firestone. They, they're, they're not fire. Well, I won't go there. Anyway, we went to one Firestone. They told me to go to another fire. I, I know every Firestone in Colorado Springs. And they told me to go to another Firestone. Oh, sorry, we don't have the tire. Go to this Firestone. This Firestone. This, my vein was hanging out. Katie's in the car. Honey, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just amazing. The calming presence of a woman. Focus on that, Peter says. Not the makeup and all this stuff. Focus on the heart. That gentle words under control, that, that quiet spirit. And what's what he says here? Look at this. It's precious in the very sight of God. This is what's costly. This is what's of value. This is what matters to God. Now, you say, nobody ever lived like that. Oh, no? Look at verse 5. He says, for in this way, the former in the former times, holy women, we don't know their names. We're going to find out one here in a moment. But holy women, these are women that were consecrated to God. These are women that were pure and devoted to God. They hoped in God. Their trust was in God, not in the man. Their trust is in God. That's where it needs to be. Look how they adorned themselves. There's that word again, cosmetics. Look how they cosmetic themselves, if, if that's a word. Look how they put their cosmetics. They adorned themselves with what? Submission. Isn't that beautiful? They adorned themselves by strengthening and supporting the leadership of men. Wow. Now, give me a specific example in the Bible. Sarah, verse 6. Now, some women say, well, I'd be a Sarah if I had an Abraham. I mean, the Abraham was the father of the faith. Amen. Abraham was an amazing guy. Or was he? You ever study Abraham out in the Bible? He will mess you up. <laughs> Abraham's an older man. He looks at his wife. He says, you know what? We need to move out of here. We need to go follow God. We need to leave our land. We need to go and serve God somewhere else. Really, honey? We've been living here all these years. Yep, we're gone. Abraham was, a, was an easy man to follow. He gets in this one place. He says, you are so beautiful, Sarah. We need to pretend that you're my sister so these guys don't do anything to you. So she goes along with him. Abraham was an easy guy to follow. He, he, what does he do? He, he goes with Lot. He says to Lot, you take the good land. I'll take the bad land. I could, just, I could just see a wife saying, really? You told Lot that for crying out loud? No, she just followed him. And you know what? He was so easy. He wakes up one morning and says, honey, where are you going? I'm taking Isaac. Where are you going to go? I'm going to go kill him. I'll be right back. You're going to go do what? You're going to kill our kid? Yeah, God wants me to do that. I'll be right back. She followed him. He was one person said he could, he could appear unpredictable, foolish, and rash. And yet Sarah, look at this here. She not only obeyed Abraham in verse 6, she called him, oh, what a word, Master. Leader. Do you know when she called him Lord? You remember when she called him Lord? 
When God came to them and said, you're going to have a kid. And Sarah says, I am too old to have a kid. Is this, am I really going to have a kid? Uh, there's no way that I could ever have a kid. But <laughs> my Lord, am I going to have pleasure with my Lord? Even though it seems irrational, even though it seems terrible, she follows her leader. That's submission. I, I remember in November of 2014, when I woke up one day and been praying for this for a while, and I told Katie, looks like our time in Argentina's up. She said, really? I said, yep, we're leaving Argentina. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's buy tickets. So we bought tickets. She's like, now what? I don't know what. We're leaving. We're going. We got six months, and we're leaving Argentina. She's looking at me like I'm a nut. Relaxed, calm. End of November comes. We get a text message from Pastor DeVille in Falcon Baptist Church. says, hey, there's a church down in Widefield that's looking for a pastor. Maybe this is for you. I never even heard of this church. I had no clue that this church even existed. And yet, God had it. And so, by God's grace, she followed me, and the Lord brought us here. I remember our first day here, eight years ago. I got into the car and I told Katie, we are not coming to this. This church is nuts. <laughs> and she looked at me and says this is the place we need to come it's amazing when you have that calm experience a calm presence in your life how God uses that to support and strengthen leadership let me ask you this let me go to the verse here and then one more, one more thing here it says, you have become her children if you do what is right, in verse 6, without being frightened by any fear. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Women are afraid to follow men. And let me just say something. Men, we haven't made it easy for them to follow us. It, it is scary. I mean, where's God going to take me? What are we going to do now? And there's a fear there. Remember, the fear doesn't need to be in the circumstances. The fear needs to be in God. And here's the problem. Some men produce that fear because of their abusive authority. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in an abusive relationship, we're here to help. You need help. Don't just say, oh, abusive relationship, I got to stay here, I got to submit. The Bible says submit. No, no, it's not what it's saying here. He's not talking about abusive relationship here. There is abusive authority out there. Why? Because it occurs. But what he is saying is women should not be scared to follow men. You ought to do it. Where it's going to lead you, who knows? Maybe there's a Whitefield Community Bible Church somewhere. He's going to take you. You say, how do I respond to that? One person says this. Is, is your husband the top of your prayer list? If not, he ought to be because he needs it. Do you use your God-given abilities to support and strengthen his leadership or do you use it to undermine him? Let me ask you the last question here. Do you make his life easier or do you make his life more difficult? You see, your temptation is to control him with your words. Nag, 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 nag. And the temptation is to control with the body. And Peter says, don't do that. You let practice biblical submission. You support and strengthen his leadership. Peter says, don't focus on the externals. Focus on the heart. 
And Peter says, model yourself after women like Sarah who followed their husband, even though he seemed irrational and irresponsible. May that be the women that God has brought here. May that be the women for our sons. And may that be our daughters as well. Let's bow in prayer. Father, in a world that's trying to undermine what it means to be a male and a female, who has blurred the lines in so many ways, who has made a bad word out of the word submission, who puts so much focus on the externals, so much pressure on young ladies, to remain fit and to have bodies like movie stars. That they look at themselves in the mirror and they say, I'm unlovable. No one could ever care about me. That stuff does not matter to you. What matters is the heart. The, the quality of a heart that is calm and gentle and quiet, a calming presence, power under control. And Lord, if we're honest, we use nagging because we don't trust in you. So God, I pray this, Lord, that each lady here and young lady would realize what's important to you would not get discouraged by the worldly standards that have been placed upon them. That they would remember what the Bible says. And that it's not just merely the externals that matter, but God, it's the heart. Help them to allow the gospel to be at work in their lives. And that you would change our hearts. I pray these women for my sons. I pray that my daughters would model after these kind of women. And I thank you so much that I have one. Thank you for Katie. Thank you for her love for you. Thank you for her devotion to you. Thank you, Lord, that she has that gentle and quiet spirit. Thank you, Lord, that although she's beautiful on the outside, she has a heart that pleases you. And God, I thank you that she's the, an example here. And thank you for the many other ladies that are examples here as well. We love you and we praise you. And we want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Father's Day. I don't know if we have any more books. We do, we'll give you one. If not, next week, we'll give you one.